afternoon, good evening, and good morning if you're checking this out on Sunday morning. Welcome to episode 111 of the Young Lions Perspective. I want to start off this episode by looking at an article from thechairshot.com. This is actually an opinion piece from Tom Clark that was actually published just an hour ago. And it was one of those things where I don't really read opinion pieces because of, you know, it's just one person's opinion, but it's it's on a topic where a lot of people are, you know, have a little bit of say about it in terms of this particular person, that particular person being Brock Lesnar. So let's get into it. Brock Lesnar, WWE Championship win over Kofi Kingston. Inevitable or unnecessary? Brock Lesnar is back. The Beast Incarnate returned on the September 17th edition of SmackDown Live and confronted the WWE Champion Kofi Kingston. Lesnar's advocate, Paul Heyman, challenged Kingston to a title match and the champ accepted. From the moment it happened, that happened. Indifference began to take hold. It's the same story once again in WWE, despite how many times it happens. The story continues to cause waves among pro wrestling fans. Everyone knows that Brock is a top draw, just as they know that WWE will always use him as a result. Despite how many times he disappears or how long he stays away, he will be back and will almost always be in the world title picture. But knowing and accepting are two very different things. When Brock Lesnar is out of sight, he's out of mind. That's just the way it is. WWE faithful may want to believe he's gone, but it's only temporary and until the day comes when he actually finishes up with the company, Lesnar is always, is likely always going to be a factor. Like Thanos in Avengers Endgame, Brock is inevitable. But even a mad titan knows when to pick and choose his battles, which is exactly what Lesnar's character is doing now. Seth Rollins took Brock down at SummerSlam and pinned him clean in the middle of the ring. The Beast Slayer was true to his nickname as he got the win on his own with no distractions, no assists, and no cheap shots. Rollins had a career-defining victory over Lesnar and thus closed the book on their feud. And I thank God every day that that feud is actually over. There was really no point in booking Seth vs. Brock again, as there was truly nothing left between them. Rollins got what he needed, and Lesnar did the job for him and for WWE. Of course, that fact tends to get lost in the discussion, but that's typically how it goes for Heyman's client. Brock does the honors when called upon, and he doesn't like a pro. Lesnar will sell. He will work hard, and he will do it all like a man on a mission. Lesnar knows that the more effort he gives in a loss, the more it helps the man that's going over on him. But while fans usually don't acknowledge that fact, they do recognize that he can get it done in the ring. At his best, Brock Lesnar is a storyteller. The way he moves in the ring, the way he taunts his opponent like a predator in the wild, and everything that comes after, is all part of the narrative of his match. When he's in the moment, Brock is hailed as the smartest guy in the ring and indeed much smarter than he gets credit for. But apart from that, he's the selfish Brock Lesnar that comes and goes as he pleases without regard for WWE or its audience. That's just the way fans see it. So when the Beast rolled into SmackDown Live, his critics immediately growled in disgust. Lesnar was back, and of course, he was after Kofi Kingston. Who else would Brock even care about on the blue brand? This was the sentiment among those who believe that Lesnar demands to be in the main event spotlight or he will not do business with WWE. Whether or not that's true is unknown. But what has become obvious is the fact that Lesnar is called upon him when it's time to make some noise. Sometimes that noise involves getting a guy over, as was the case with Seth Rollins. Other times it's about generating excitement over an upcoming event or spiking a rating. In the case of Kofi Kingston, perhaps it's all the above. 
Facing Brock Lesnar is like a badge of honor for many WWE superstars. Going shot for shot with the Beast Incarnate is no small feat, and to be able to do that while delivering a compelling match is extremely important for anyone in that position. It's not just about toughness, it's about making a statement. Sometimes it's WWE that needs that statement to be made. That's especially true for Kofi Kingston. From the moment he won the WWE Championship at WrestleMania 35, Kingston has been under fire. Much of that has been because of his booking, which has not always been the best, but some of it has to do with his style in the ring, which has not changed since becoming champion. Kofi is still the same carefree, loving, fun-loving superstar that fans have followed for years. He does turn up the volume when he's defending the title, but even then, he's basically the same guy he's always been. While that's a good thing in the eyes of many fans, it's just not enough for others. Kofi is a world champion, so he should act the part. At least, that's what his critics believe. It seems that everything Kofi's done has been an effort to win over the haters. WWE wants the world, wants the world to see Kingston as championship material, and that fact has been used in more than one storyline, recent, most recently against Randy Orton. But when Kofi steps in the ring with Brock Lesnar, his true medal will be on display. If Kofi can hang with Lesnar, then maybe he will finally get the respect he deserves, right? But at the end of the day, this new angle between Brock and Kofi is perhaps more about Brock. SmackDown Live will become Friday Night SmackDown on October 4th, as the blue brand will debut on the Fox Network. When that move was announced in 2018, many predicted that WWE would stack the roster, which meant that the top champion would be a major name. In the world of WWE, there's no name bigger than Brock Lesnar. So if Brock is coming back for the sake of SmackDown, he doesn't necessarily need to destroy Kofi Kingston to become the new WWE champion. Working with Lesnar in a championship match would be good for Kofi, but it doesn't mean he will win. However, if Lesnar is the proven commodity, and he's the go-to main event powerhouse WWE loves to use. How does Kofi measure up to that? There are a few variables to this match, and it could go either way. Everyone knows that Kofi has worked hard to get his spot, just as they know that Lesnar is the easy and bankable choice to be champion. But knowing and accepting are indeed two very different things. This is actually a damn good article. I'm not even going to lie about it. This is really, really good and really shows um, both sides of the spectrum in terms of Brock and Kofi. Now, me personally, in terms of Brock Lesnar, in terms of how I feel about Brock Lesnar at this very point, damn, Jimmy Hater's hot. Um, sorry about that. Gotta appreciate the beauty when it, when, you know, when it shows up. I am just a man. I am truly just a man. Anyway, with Brock Lesnar, it stated in the in the opinion in the op-ed that you know there are a lot of people that hate Brock Lesnar, and a lot of people who dig Brock Lesnar, who dig his style, who dig what how he gets down, and all that good stuff. There are people who simply tolerate Brock Lesnar. Over the past few years, Brock Lesnar haters have been coming have been coming out of the spotlight, have been coming to the forefront even more. Given the fact that, you know, when he won the Universal Championship over Goldberg, um, a lot of people poo-pooed that match, as did I, because honestly, I felt that it wasn't even necessary to be had. That should have never happened in the first place. And Goldberg winning the championship was kind of a joke in and of itself. Brock Lesnar beating Goldberg was at that point a mere formality. And then we had the title reign. I believe that was in 2017, if my mind serves me right. We then had the point where we had Samoa Joe, Roman Reigns, and Strowman 
gun for the Universal Championship. We had the Fatal 4-Way match for the Universal title at SummerSlam. Unfortunately, Brock Lesnar retained. Um, Samoa Joe had his chance at Great Balls of Fire the month prior, and Samoa Joe unfortunately lost that. Braun Strowman, um, around that time, people were believing that Strowman was going to become champion, as did I at that time. Um, Strowman was hoping... I was hoping Strowman would win the championship, give him a four-month run with the title, see how it works as a trial run. And if they deem Strowman wasn't prepared or ready to be to hold the, NA, not the NXT championship, I beg your pardon, the WWE Universal Championship, then you can go right back to Brock Lesnar, have him make his return at the Royal Rumble, and beat Braun Strowman. As, you know, if it... it I'm sorry, I got something stuck on my teeth, I beg, I'm, I, I'm sorry about that. But it was at that point, I think, where people started to really turn on Brock Lesnar, especially when a lot of people thought he was going to the UFC again to fight for the heavyweight championship, or at least get back into the USADA program where he was suspended for six months and fight for the heavyweight championship at that point, if he did get to that point. Turns out, never happened. Lesnar stuck around and then we had I believe if I'm not mistaken we went on to Wrestlemania last year and we had the Roman versus Brock match and a lot of people poo-pooed that and Vince McMahon made the smart decision to have Brock retain Roman eventually became Universal Champion but unfortunately had to vacate the championship due to leukemia coming back into his body So, at Crown Jewel, if I'm not mistaken, that was November. It was right after Survivor Series. Brock became champion again, beating Braun Strowman for said championship, which was unfortunate. I believe at that point, that was a triple threat match that was supposed to be taken care of. And instead of believing in Strowman, which at that point, a lot of people were still thinking Strowman will become champion. If not now, then when? Then when? At that point, if I remember correctly, Strowman was Mr. Money in the Bank prior to that matchup with Brock and cashed it in, announcing it in front of Roman Reigns instead of actually doing what was smart and actually using the opportunity to his advantage. And again, Braun lost. Brock remained champion. Seth went on to win the Royal Rumble this year. Seth beat Brock in the opening match of WrestleMania 35, won the champion, and then became WWE Champion. Brock then won Money in the Bank, to which a lot of people hated. Now, that was, in my opinion, one of the worst decisions of 2019 in terms of booking. Brock then cashed in on Seth, became champion again, and then lost it two months, I believe, two months later at, no, actually a month later at SummerSlam. And now we are here. The fact that Brock Lesnar is coming for Kofi Kingston in the WWE Championship is literally inevitable. I'm going with the inevitability side on this one. In terms of Fox, Fox paid a billion dollars for the rights to have SmackDown on their station. I'm going to take a sip of water real quick. Fox paid a billion dollars 
for the next five years to have the rights for SmackDown Live to be on their state on their Fox network. I know for a fact that Fox wanted Brock as champion, a recognizable name, former UFC heavyweight champion, a guy that could more than likely add to the masses as opposed to a Kofi Kingston, which people are at this point are kind of souring on his title reign. Now, like he said, uh, it was more, it's mostly due to his booking. He hasn't been really booked very well, honestly, as have, as WWE champion. Um, I honestly felt that his time would be ending at SummerSlam. And then they had that bullshit double count out, <clears throat> excuse me, which led to then having the rematch at Clash of Champions. And Kofi beat Randy. Now, I had said on Twitter, if Randy couldn't beat Kofi, then who? And then my homie, my Twitter dude, my guy, Matt Titan, at Brian underscore Fury underscore 757, posted a gif, a gif, I think that's the right pronunciation, I'm not exactly ever sure, of Brock Lesnar. And I got to thinking, he's the only one that could be, that is believable enough to beat Kofi. Because if you look at the landscape of SmackDown as we see it right now, they have really not built up anyone in terms of the main event scene. I think the only guy they really built up was Randy. They haven't. They hadn't built up a Roman, a Daniel Bryan, an Andrade, a Finn. Even though I know he's absent until I believe the end of October, going into November, he hasn't really. You know, like when you look at his defenses: Kevin Owens, Dolph Ziggler, Randy Orton. The only credible, out of, the most credible out of the three, honestly, is Randy. Kevin wasn't a bad choice in terms of gunning for a first title defense. But, but Dolph Ziggler was the kind of feud that really didn't make any fucking sense. Looking back on it. On initial thought, they're really thinking Dolph Ziggler was going to be the one to carry it. But then we all want to know what happened with Dolph and what happened at SummerSlam. Now he's one half of the Raw Tag Team Champions with Robert Roode. So you can go fuck off over there. But if I'm being brutally honest, and I have no other reason to be brutal, no, but be brutally honest with y'all. Brock beating Kofi at this very point, when you honestly think about it in a couple weeks' time, is the only possible way to go into the new era that is Friday Night SmackDown on the Fox Network. The debut episode in front of millions of people. There's no other way to pull this off. 
There's no other way to have this go down with a there's nothing more than a Brock Lesnar championship victory. Now, on the other hand, you could have Brock Lesnar come back and surprise everyone and somehow, some way, take down Brock Lesnar and retain the WWE Championship. That's also a possibility, even though a lot of people aren't really thinking that's going to be the possibility in and of itself. But when you honestly look at booking-wise, what would be the one thing that Fox probably told Vince McMahon? Think of it this way. When Fox bought the rights to SmackDown, they essentially made Vince their bitch. And I'm not meaning it in a joking manner. I'm not meaning it in a, like a, you know, satirical sense or to gain some laughs. I'm being absolutely dead fucking serious. The de- the second that deal was finalized, Vince McMahon became Fox Network's bitch. I, pr- I believe, under the thought of, Fox wants Brock Lesnar as the WWE champion. I honestly do believe that. I do believe that they want Brock Lesnar as the champion going into this new era of SmackDown starting on October 4th. We're almost a week away from SmackDown being on Fox. And and the main event is going to be the WWE Championship with Kofi facing Brock. I would be shocked if they actually booked Kofi to beat Brock. I really would. But from my standpoint, from what I've seen, from what I've noticed, Brock Lesnar is going to be the new WWE Champion on October 4th. Until I until I see something that proves me otherwise, there's no reason for me to believe that Brock Lesnar's not walking away from the first the debut episode of SmackDown on Fox without the WWE Championship on his shoulder in dominating fashion. Maybe WWE realizes that Kofi Kingston has had enough of a run. A lot of people were kind of bummed out that Randy wasn't Randy didn't beat Kofi. But when I look back on it, per storyline, it all makes sense. I mean, they had this feud for 10 years. They finally ramped it up. And it was was one of those feuds I was actually waiting on. Because they foreshadowed it back at Elimination Chamber. And And it was one of those matches where I was just like, okay, this needs to happen. And finally it happened. And Kofi finally disposed of Randy Orton. The only person left you got is Brock Lesnar. If this is deemed to be the final chapter of Kofi Kingston's WWE Championship reign, one, we should be thankful that Kofi Kingston had the opportunity to become WWE Champion. To a lot of people in the black community, he is the first true African-American heavyweight champion. Booker T had a shot, never happened. Some people say The Rock was the first ever black heavyweight champion, but we didn't know he's Samoan. 
Kofi Kingston is the first legitimate African-American heavyweight champion. And for me as uh, a person of mixed race, being half black and half Czech, I am appreciative of Kofi winning the championship. It meant, I know it meant a lot to a lot of people. To his home country of Ghana, it meant a lot to a lot of people. But at the end of the day, we must face facts. Brock Lesnar coming back to SmackDown means one thing and one thing only. Kofi trying his best to defeat the Beast, the Beast Incarnate. But unfortunately, everything he will bring to Brock Lesnar is not going to be enough. We are going to see a new world, new WWE champion on October 4th. And his name is Brock Lesnar. This is episode 111 of the Young Lions Perspective. And with that being said, let us begin. Guys, Zach from the Wrestling Conditions Podcast here, and welcome to episode 111 of the Young Lions Perspective. So glad to have you guys here with me on this Saturday night or Sunday morning, depending on uh, when you're checking out this experience. That is the Young Lions Perspective, but I hope you're having a great day, night, afternoon, or evening, wherever you may be, wherever you are in the world. Thank you guys so much for checking out this episode of the podcast, and as always, I greatly truly appreciate it. And X. T-U-K. Now, this entire episode was mainly focused on the British Rounds match. The first ever British Rounds match in NXT UK history. Not only was it the first British Rounds match in NXT UK history, it's actually, if I'm not mistaken, the first ever British Rounds match in all of WWE. Because me personally, in the third, close to... Um, 20 over 20 plus years I've watched professional wrestling. I'll give it take a few years in between because I watched wasn't really worth watching it. Uh, there I've never seen a British Rounds match personally in my entire existence on this uh, beautiful earth. So that was really the main focus of this particular episode of NXT UK. But that wasn't mean there wasn't any action besides Sid Scala and Cassius Ono. There was other there was a couple other matches that went on during the night with a few interesting bits and pieces in between. So we're not going to take long to uh, go into the particulars. We're going to get right into the episode, as we always should. So they pretty much start off the episode with, you know, recapping how the British Rounds match came to be, going over what that happened uh, two weeks ago when Sid Scala was the uh, person that, Johnny Saint chose to have face Cassius Ono, which started a little bit of a mini feud between Scala and Ono. And I'm actually digging it for sure right now. I really, really actually like this. You know, it's not every day, you know, you get a guy who at one point before he became the assistant manager, assistant general, assistant general manager of NXT UK, Johnny Saint. But 
you know, he went from enhancement talent to assistant to general manager. And that, in my honest opinion, is a sweet ass upgrade, if I say so myself. But this little feud that he has going on with uh, Cassius Ono, who has dubbed himself the wrestling genius, has actually been a very interesting one as a fleet. I mean, with NXT and NXT UK, I love the fact that they have little mini feuds within their episodes when they're not really focusing on really big matchups, not really focusing. I mean, they still focus on the NXT UK champion, uh, United Kingdom Championship, the women's title, and the tag team championships as well. But the, it's the, it's everything in between. The little mini feuds that go on that help build uh, other talent up. Case in point, Scala and Ona. Um, I do like this. I do, like I said, I like these mini, little mini feuds that help you know further the shows and as it's, it's i wouldn't even consider it filler at this point it's just match it's just little mini feuds that help the show along keep you interested in the shows not just the ones that have the big title matches or any big matches that are going down so like something like something like a scala versus ono albeit a very weird mismatch to most people is an interesting mini feud in and of itself but we start off the episode and the review talking about Travis Banks, who, excuse me, coming off his uh, appearance at TakeOver Cardiff. Uh, didn't get the victory against Noam Dar, but he looks to get back into the momentum and the swing of things going up against Tyson T-Bone. So, of course, with every good story, you always start at the beginning. The bell rings, Banks ties up a T-Bone. He puts T-Bone, puts Banks in the corner, immediately backs him off. Dodges the Banks, dodges the punch, throws punches on his own, starts stomping on T-Bone, Banks landing up at four. T-Bone starts coming back, but Banks sweeps his legs, running side to side, hitting a big forearm smash, keeps going with hitting T-Bone with a knee. And then a third, just for good measure, with a ba- and adds a basement drop kick. Fans firing up for Banks as T-Bone hits back with a hard body shot, putting him down. He then Irish whips Banks into the corner, scoops him up for a tilt world snake eyes. That's always a very interesting move there. It actually looked pretty fucking sick. If you, if you did watch this, hey, we know bark here, we know growl. Not doing recording. Okay, I understand he's your neighbor, but you gotta chill. All right, daddy's recording. I know, I know, I understand. I know you're cute. I know, I know. All right, just be good girl. Just be good girl. All right. And that was your obligatory uh, Marley moment of the episode. Anyway, getting back into the matchup. So Tebo runs to, uh, off the ropes, cross bodies Banks down, goes for the cover, gets the two count out of that. He keeps on Banks with knees to the back, elbows to the head, stopping the ribs. Banks is floundering. Tebo throwing more hands, focusing on those ribs now. Tebo and uh, Banks getting to the ropes. Banks, he brings Banks up, scoops him up for a slam, goes for the cover again, and then gets two count out of that. Fans still, still rallying behind Banks as T-Bone puts him up in a half-straight jacket. Banks fighting against the modified neck wrench, but T-Bone, T-Bone actually hits him with fist. Banks coming back with kicks, but he blocks uh, that with a kidney shot. And then hits a slingshot suplex that looked very, very nice. Banks ending up in the corner, but dodging T-Bone in the process. Blocking T-Bone's kick, throwing T-Bone down to the mat. Hits him with a basement knee that sends him out of the ring. He starts to build up speed, dives to the outside, hits the low pay, as he calls it, hitting T-Bone. Banks giving T-Bone back in the ring, going for springboard dum-dum stomps. I love that name, actually. Springboard dum-dum stomps. Those are pretty, those are pretty fucking sweet. Goes for the cover. He gets out of that with a two count. 
in pain and frustration. Fans are still rallying behind him. He tries again at T-Bone. T-Bone then clobbers him, then throws Banks in a modified half and half. Gets the, goes to cover. One, two. Banks kicks out. Barely surviving, T-Bone stays on his focus and going after Banks as he looms over him. He goes for the lift. Banks resisting the lift, but T-Bone clubbing away at T-Bone. He lifts him up. Looks like he's going for a cradle suplex. But Banks hits the cradle counter and gets the three count out of nowhere. And getting the victory. I'm taking a sip of water real quick. Hold on. Ah. Throw got a little bit dry towards the end of that. But, um... Yeah, Travis Banks getting the victory out of nowhere with the cradle counter. Um, this was kind of one of those weird endings to a match that I don't really see in a while. Kind of interesting how that all came about. I mean, it was a decent match. Um, only went about a few minutes. But the way they had Banks uh, just go for the cradle counter, the ending, I guess it's kind of a way to just like uh, get it out of nowhere. Instead of, you know, Banks trying to go for as a slice of heaven or go for the Kiwi buzzsaw. Which is it's fine. I was just kind of con- I was just shocked that he it, it, uh, it actually held him down enough for the three count. So that was just kind of a weird thing to me. But Travis Banks, nonetheless, regains momentum and starts gunning back towards the top of the NXT UK ladder with victory over Tyson T-Bone. We then go into a report from Rodzi, my boy Rodzi. I swear that man has a, has a wonderful afro, and I don't do bow ties, but that man in- inspires me to wear bow ties. I probably couldn't pull it off. No one for the life of me. I know that for a fact, but Rodzi makes it work. And they go to Rodzi in the backstage area where he's where he pretty much says there's still been no sighting of the former NXT UK women's champion. Now, what I'm liking about this. Can, can I help you? No? You good? You're gonna lay down? Alright. Anyway, the fact that they have Tony Storm going through this after she after losing the NXT UK Women's Championship, especially after the title reign that she had for a good eight months. Uh, so I would actually know seven months. I mean, sometimes that's what it does to some people. You know, you were a champion for so long, you know, fighting, you know, valiantly as champion. But then all of a sudden, Kaylee Ray comes into the picture, the mind games, the, tor- you know, the psychological warfare coming into play, and you got beat on what was undoubtedly the biggest stage in NXT UK so far. That can do something to a person. Now, where they are going with this, I wouldn't be able to tell you at this point, Um I know Tony Storm is a, is a solid heel. No, actually not a solid heel. I should be smacking myself for that one. She's a solid babyface. I don't necessarily see a heel turn in her future. Um, I don't know if NXT UK will be willing to go that route just yet. I have been hearing... I heard a report that I know Pete Dunne is officially in the United States, which basically means that he is going to be full-time with NXT. And... A faint rumor that she was going to be going over to the United States as well. Um, and as much as I would love to see that happen and her going over to NXT, I'm not exactly sure if there, if we don't, if there's, it's her time to move over to NXT just yet. 
That's not necessarily would be a bad thing. I'm just saying that I, I think we still have another chapter left, especially since the fact that she has her rematch with Kaylee Ray still in tow. If that actually is grammatically correct. Either way, we still have a rematch to take care of with Tony Storm and Kaylee Ray. She's contractually obligated to a rematch for the championship. Now, I know a lot of people are... Now, I've said for the longest time, especially right after Cardiff, um, I have boldly predicted that K- uh, not Kaylee Ray, Tegan Knox would become the fourth ever NXT UK Women's Champion. And for some reason, I st- and, and, for the, and for honestly, for the life of me, I still believe that is still in play. We'll, we'll get to that a little later on. But with Tony Storm, I still believe that, you know, she's just distraught. And they're playing this very, very well. The way I see it. They're, very, they're playing this very, very well. You know, she is that distraught at losing to the one person who pretty much knew her the best out of everyone in the NXT UK locker room. They fought together. They fought against each other. They know each other frontwards and backwards. And Kaylee Ray took everything from her, in a sense. So much so that she was so distraught by that. That she just wanted, needed to go away for a while. We're getting back into the backstage segment. Gallus interrupts Rodzi, saying... Quote, we hate to be the ones to inform you, but Tony time is over. It doesn't matter where she's gone, does it? Does it, Wolfie? No, it doesn't, Marcus. At TakeOver Cardiff, Gallus wasn't pinned in the triple threat for the tag team titles. Were we, Wolfie? No, we weren't, Marcus. Therefore, everyone saw that Gallus are still the number one contenders. And we're coming for what's ours, because this is still our kingdom. So, it looks like Gallus and Flash Morgan Webster and Mark Andrews may be meeting up very, very soon in terms of an NXT UK tag team title match. And that would be a match I would like to see a lot because, I mean, they are, Morgan Webster and Andrews are true blue baby faces and Gallus are just prick like heels and Gallus is a very formidable tag team we've definitely seen plenty of it in NXT UK since its inception um, back in late back late last year oh excuse me so it'll be interesting to see how Gallus and um, the Welsh Air Force actually uh, finally come to be how this match will come about the way they book it of course going forward we move on though Rhea Ripley taking on Debbie Keitel now I have heard of Debbie Keitel I follow her on Instagram um very attractive woman but also a fierce competitor for what I'm seeing on her stories and whatnot so it's it's very cool to see um different UK talent come over I mean not well known to the rest of of course America but to those in the UK, they know her quite well. And that's why I love NXT UK is because it's a promotion where we see we finally get introduced to names we may have heard of, but have never really seen an accent. Case in point, Casey Owens. I have heard of Casey. 
I've seen Casey in action, her versus uh, Piper Niven, um, her versus Kaylee Ray. They had a little triumph for it, uh, feud, trading back forth, back and forth the ICW Women's World Championship. So I knew of Casey Owens and finally seeing her in action, it was pretty damn cool to see. Um, like I said, Debbie Keitel is one of those names that I've heard of, but I've never really seen in action. Unfortunately for Debbie, she ran into the Mosh Pit Kid, and as of late, Rhea Ripley has been tearing through NXT UK and now appearing on NXT programming. Um, what that holds in for her future going forward, I do not know, but we, what I do know is that we need to talk about this matchup. And what happened in this matchup is this match did not go long at all. The bell rings, and Rhea pretty much looks at Debbie like she is low tier on her totem pole. Just straight up low tier on the totem pole. And fans immediately know it as well, and they start cheering, cheering, Rhea's gonna kill you. They actually tie up Rhea putting Debbie in the corner immediately. Backs off at the referee's count of four, daring Debbie to come back. Debbie, Debbie literally just sneers at her. I like her look. I like Debbie's look. I like, you know, her bitch-like demeanor. Um, just looking at her like, yeah, okay, whatever. Don't really give a shit. But, like I said, this didn't last long. Debbie goes to the waist lock, tries to riff, uh, lift Rhea. Nothing. Nah, just didn't happen. And Rhea just tosses Debbie out of the way. Debbie goes for a takedown. Rhea powers Debbie off again with a gut wrench. Looking at her screaming, you want to be in NXT, NXT UK, huh? She then Iris whips, but Debbie breaks free. Slaps Rhea in the face. Does it again. Goes for the third slap, and even Nigel McGinnis called it. And said, that's not going to happen. Grabs the arm. It's Debbie with a huge boot. That knocked her straight right into the mat. Picks her up. Pump handle. Riptide. One, two, three. As academic as one plus one equals two. About as academic as zero times one. Which for y'all, which y'all should know, is zero. Yeah, Rhea Ripley pretty much, this was basically just to get Rhea over. Um, But it's not what, it's not the match we're talking about. It's what happened after the match, which is most important. So after Debbie goes down, Rhea remaining dominant as ever. Rhea grabs the microphone. Fans actually cheering on Rita as she just drums the mic on her leg. And she says, I figured it's about time that I get my NXT UK Women's Championship back. Fans cheering at the idea. She says that there is no one that can break her mentally, compete with her physically, and no one in NXT UK? Out comes Jenny? Mike in hand saying Rhea, Rhea, Rhea. You need to understand the greasy hair and rusty chains are just two 90s. But that sums you up. You look like you're from the past. And your achievements are the past. So you belong in the past. Now look at the future. I vow to be the next NXT UK Women's Champion. But that's the future. In the present, I have a bigger problem for you, Rhea. 
and that's Jazzy Gabbard. Jazzy standing face to face with Rhea gets up on the apron and Rhea just hits Jazzy with a roundhouse kick as she falls down off of the mat. Rhea daring Jazzy to fight, but Jenny says now's not the time, grabbing at her cape. And it looks like Rhea Ripley and Jazzy Gabbard might have to have a little conversation in the ring. And to be truthfully honest with y'all, I am not mad at this one fucking bit. I love Rhea Ripley. I love the way she gets down in the ring. Her, like I said, her evolution is probably one of the best evolutions I have seen in literally the past three years. Ever since her debut on the Mae Young Classic, and, and stop me if I've said this one before, but for those of you who are new to the wonderfulness that is the Alliance, in fact, I will explain. Rhea Ripley was on the Mae Young Classic, um, had a little bit of a run, a decent performance, was signed to NXT, uh, was surprisingly a baby face. And a decent baby face at that, but when she became a heel, and the evolution of her becoming a heel was amazing. Once I started seeing her as a heel, the music, the attitude, her outfit, the way she pretty much portrayed herself, it made her just her. She made that heel character work. And now she's one of the biggest names in not just NXT UK, but now in NXT. Of course, having a little a little uh, feud with Sheena Baszler. Jazzy Gabbard, also a, an alumni of the Mae Young Classic. Um, unfortunately, losing to Abby Lath, I believe, in the first round of the tournament in a surprise uh, victory for Abby Lath, uh, who you might know as Kimberly. And I do, and now she, now she's a big name over in Germany. She is from Germany. Uh, before she became Jazzy Gabbard, she was just known as the Alpha Female. Then she became Jazzy Gabbard, um, fighting over in Germany. I believe she did compete in both Mae Young Classic tournaments. If I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong. But I, she's also a powerhouse. And, I, and of course, if you watch NXT UK regularly, you would have seen her in action inside Brookside. Um, and now she's basically Ginny's heavy. But I do like the fact that they are allowing Gabbert to be doing feuds instead of just being looked at as Ginny's heavy. Ginny's pretty much insurance policy. Now, if you look at it the way I see it, she's pretty much clearing, you know, she's having Jazzy clear the debt for her to try to pave the way to her becoming NXT UK Women's Champion. And we all know what will happen at some point between Ginny and Jazzy Gabbard. I think you can figure it out on your own. You don't even need to hold your hand with this one. But when you look at Gabbard and Ripley, it's kind of like um, how Niven and Ripley were. Who was the most dominant in NXT UK? With Niven and Ripley, they are one and one apiece. Now, we are seeing Gabbard and Ripley go at it. And that is something I definitely want to see going forward. So whenever they have their first match, it's going to be very interesting to see how, who actually gets the upper hand. Because this is now the start. Not only is she dealing with Gabbard, she's also dealing with Ginny as well. Moving on with the NXT UK review. 
Trent Seven enters the arena as Noam Dar makes an announcement. According to Mr. Supernova 11, Trent Seven is a dafty. So, I haven't done this in a while, but today we are going to learn what a dafty actually is. You know, it's, it's always good. Okay, so basically, today's word is dafty. This is actually from UrbanDictionary.com, so I actually trusted it a lot more than a lot of things. But it is Glasgow slang. Scottish slang for someone being an idiot or being stupid. Case in point. I'll use it in a sentence. Vince McMahon was a complete dafty for booking what he for booking what he's been booking the last two years. A complete and utter dafty. And that is our British slang word of the day. Try to use it in a sentence today amongst your friends. Um, always good to learn. A little bit of add a little wrinkle to your brain for today's for today. That's the end. That's the end of the episode class. Good night. Anyway, <laughs> Dora trolling seven with a megaphone alarm, just being a complete dickhead. Seven goes up to him, tells him to stop being a child. Who hides in a parking garage with a mic with a megaphone? Dar can't leave it alone literally says kind of under his breath but just enough for trent seven to hear it r.i.p b.s.s rest in peace british strong style and that is more than enough to get underneath trent seven skin going at going going right up to dar and and of course nxt uk staff are there to stop this from being a parking lot brawl and but seven leaves it alone seven leaving it alone of course i mean it was kind of payback for what he did at noem dar's press conference um it was kind of one of those things that was going to happen you knew it was going to happen of course it was going to happen noem dar is that kind of guy that much of a dick to actually be like you know what i'm gonna you know you fuck with me in my press conference i'm gonna fuck with you now so they made the announcement that next wednesday in the main event of NXT UK, Trent Seven and No Amdar are going to go one on one, and that is something I cannot wait to see because I like I like both of these guys. So you know, it's I mean I like all of NXT, most of NXT UK anyway. So I'm a big fan of it. Go team should be a good main event. But getting into the next matchup, Joseph Connors versus Kenny Williams. Joseph Connors I have not seen in a long time, and he's still. You know, of course, the righteous killer. And, you know, still, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Still, you know, trying to find himself in a sense. And he still hasn't had the easiest time with the shiny new toys of NXT UK. Still working on that, which is always good. I like that, how he's, you know, still working with the shiny new toys in NXT. Now, the lucky in. Hasn't had the best luck on his own end. His recent feud with Noam Dar didn't end the best. Uh, unfortunately, losing to Noam Dar, I believe about a month and a half ago when they were in uh, the Download Festival um, before NXT UK TakeOver of Cardiff. But let's get into the matchup. They tie up. Connors goes for the hard knee, stomping Williams down, putting Williams in the corner, throwing big hands, then reeling Williams in for a clothesline, immediately goes for a cover, gets two count out of it. He starts stalking Williams as he crawls, brings him up by the ear, which is just never, that's just not nice. 
that's just not friendly. We don't don't grab my ear, bro. Don't don't do that. Anyway, he breaks Williams breaks free, starts throwing big body shots, goes for the Irish whip, Connors reverses, and then jumps over Connors to sunset flip on the rebound, gets the pinfall, goes for the, gets gets that, gets two count out of it. Williams goes for the waist lock, redirects it, back elbows Connors down to the mat. Williams runs in again and hits the bulldog. Con- Bulldogs Connors right into the turnbuckles, which is always a very nice, interesting move there. Goes for the springboard. Connor strips him up, though. He drags Williams up, hits a gourd buster, then gets a snap chancery out of that, which is painful in and of itself. Goes for the cover and gets a two count with that. Connor's going frustrated. He drags Williams up. He goes for the Irish whips and hits the low head, but as Williams sputters into a corner and Connor's is on him with big body shots, trying to wreck the body of Kenny Williams. He then clubs Williams hard, brings him around for a little bit more. He starts taunting to the fans, and the fans boo and jeer him. Not not the biggest, most people aren't the biggest fan of Joseph Connors. Just putting that out there. So Williams starts throwing back hands, but Connors hit him, hits him up with a scoop slam, goes for the cover, gets a two count out of that. Connors then drives a knee into Williams' back, pulling back on the arms. Fans railing behind Williams as he endures the pain. Connors starts strat talking, but Williams starts to fight up. Connors gets the low knee, puts Williams in a standing abdominal stretch. But Williams was able to pop out, but Connors throwing more hands. Connors goes for the Irish whip. Williams reverses into a jawbreaker. Connors then shoves Williams, but Williams yo-yos off of the ropes into a sling blade. One, two. Connors kicks out. Connors starts throwing hands, but William counterpunches. It's the chop. Form, chop, form, chop. You kind of get the idea. Connors goes for the Irish whip, but whips Williams. But Williams springboards with the back elbow. Connors floundering into the corner as he puts, but he puts Williams on the apron. He kicks Williams kicks Connors back, goes for the springboard, fades Connors out with the rolling going over, jumping over him, rolling down, rolling over him. Connors then runs in, gets bumped on the buckles, kicked away, goes for the springboard this time, hits a flying back elbow. Connors staggering at this point, gets a wheelbarrow face buster, goes for the cover, but gets the rope break at. Two and a half. Williams cannot believe Connor still had the wherewithal to grab the bottom rope. Connor's in slingshots the ropes at Williams. Sling and shot slingshots in shouts. Don't look down. Hits the face buster. One, two, three. Joseph Connors making his return to NXT UK with a victory over Kenny Williams. We then look back at the match that was Cesaro versus Dragunov. Anywhere, if you put this, if you actually put this match up anywhere in Europe, whether it be an ICW, an NXT UK, a Progress, a WXW, feel me? An OTT, if you will. This could be a main event matchup anywhere on any card in Europe. Without question. I think so. And Cesaro versus Dragunov is, a, is more than likely going to be a guaranteed lock for my honorable mentions of 2019. More than likely going to be a, a, straight, a straight lock for my 2019 honorable mentions when, I, when we get to December. I love this fucking matchup. I absolutely love this matchup. They basically go after... They showed the highlights of the matchup. Um, they had a little interview after with Cesaro, and he showed much respect to Ilya Dragunov. Um, pretty much saying, you know, I have respect for him. 
you know, he's going to be forced to be reckoned with, all that good stuff. He has Cesaro's seal of approval, and I think this matchup with Cesaro, even in a losing effort, definitely put Dragunov on the map in terms of NXT UK. I love the match. I love every single bit of it from beginning to end. It was one of those matches no one expected to happen. Dragunov, I wasn't expecting him to be on the card at all, and he and Cesaro put on a very wonderful matchup that get at the at the end Cesaro got the victory but a lot of people may have opened their eyes to Ilya Dragunov now personally I would have loved to see Walter Ilya Dragunov for the NXT UK Championship but I don't know if that's just I may, may have been jumping the gun and especially after the loss to Cassius Ono he definitely is looking to rebound for a little bit but I think maybe hopefully towards the end of the year into 2020 that they hope I hope they introduce some sort of mid-card title because Ilya Dragunov I think would be a perfect fit as many as there's as there is a lot of other talent in NXT UK like Jordan Devlin, Travis Banks, Kenny Williams, Noah Dar, Trent Seven, Tyler Bate, uh, Joseph Connors you know guys like that mid-card guys upper mid-card guys that could be vying for a mid-card title and I think now more than ever with the talent that they do have, I think it's time that they need to introduce a mid-card championship in NXT UK sooner rather than later. But, uh, oh, won't look out the window so damn bad. So we finally get into Oliver Carter. Um, like I said, last we remembered uh, his last match in NXT UK, he said, you know, his debut didn't go quite how he wanted, but he's back for another go. And he's looking to get that critical first victory as he will make his return to NXT UK on this coming Wednesday. NXT UK media caught up with new NXT UK Women's Champion Kaylee Ray, calling out Tegan Knox, and of course Tegan dared her to go anytime, anywhere. But she says that I'm 100%. Tegan was just a hometown girl with two broken knees. Kaylee Ray puts it back on Tegan to say when and where. But it's Johnny Singh who says this will actually happen in two weeks' time. October 2nd, that afternoon on NXT UK. Non-title matchup. What could be a future NXT UK Women's Championship matchup. Kaylee Ray will go one-on-one with Tegan Knox. Main event time here on NXT UK Review. The British rounds match. The first ever British rounds match in NXT UK history. And I think, in my honest opinion, if I'm not, I could be wrong here. The first ever NXT, the actual first British rounds match in WWE history. First time ever, only when it's done correctly. So, let's go over the rules. Now, for those who didn't watch the matchup and just strictly listen to the podcast. First and foremost, I thank you very much for taking time out of your day, your night, afternoon, your evening, wherever you may be, wherever you are in the world, checking this out. And two, um, let's go over the match rules. Now, it will now a British rounds match consists of six rounds of three minutes each, each man getting 30-second breaks in between each round. So altogether, you're looking at at least 20 and a half minutes. You're looking at a straight 20-minute matchup. To win, you must either win two rounds by pinfall or submission. 
knock your opponent out, or have the lead in falls by the end of the final round. Sounds pretty simple enough if you think about it. Now, the round does end immediately after a pinfall or a submission. Keep that in mind. So, we have, of course, Cassisono come out. Sitzgala comes out. Fans going bananas for... Sitzgala. Checks on the gear. Referee asks for him to shake hands. Ono actually offers the first handshake. Sid accepts. But the break wasn't that for light. So... Let's get into the first round. Like I said, three-minute rounds, they're going to go quick. So first round, pretty much both guys trying to jockey for position but not trying to lose advantage and do something in a way where they might screw themselves over and get a fall out of it. So fans are already rallying for Sid to tie up. Ono wrenches side, but Sid gets a, t- gets a key lock and a takedown. Wrenches Sid more, but Sid spins through. He then reverses the wrench onto Ono. Ono spins around the headlock Scala. Ono then pops out of Scala's grip and has Scala for a headlock takedown. He works his Scala. Uh, Sid works his way up, pops out to get the arm lock on Ono. St- ono then stands up, works against the hammer lock, gets the waist lock, and then goes in for a half Nelson. And then spins Sid into a cravat, starts cranking on it hard. Snap bears Sid down to the mat, Sid enduring the pain, of course. Now, these rounds actually went pretty damn quick. Um, so in the last minute of the round, Sid uses his own leg to bait Ono and getting the arm lock, a move out of Johnny Saints' playbook. Ono then puts Sid on the ropes. Referee has to call for the break. They go again as we reach the last 30 seconds of the round. Grabs Sid's arm, takes down with the leg, cranks the foot in the toe hole, but Sid endures all of it. Start, Sid starts working on an escape, pops up around less than 10 seconds. Sid gets his own toe hold, and the round ends. There, no man gaining a pinfall submission or knocking each other man out. So, we get the uh, first 30-second break. Of course, they do to refresh themselves, sip some water, wipe the sweat away, all the good shit. Cornerman not doing too much of anything. Uh, not giving advice or anything like that, which kind of sucks. And I'm going to take a little break to sip of water real quick. Good old BCAA is keeping your body fresh. So, we get into round two. Two men approach again, sit and no tie up. Now, they're still going for the technical side of things, not really getting into any hand, fisticuffs, anything like that, not doing anything to give their opponent the possible advantage over that, over the other, over the opponent. So, Sid gets the headlock, then shifts to a cravat and only just looks annoyed at the fact that he has a cravat hold on his, on his neck. So, Ono rolls out of that, Sid continues to hold on, starts cranking harder on the hold on Ono and has Ono on the mat. He works his way back up, pops up to a full Nelson. Real Sid to ring out, ring him out, but Sid cartwheels through. Uh, he go, ono goes at Sid, goes for the Irish whip, hits the backdrop. Sid, though, sunset flips. Ono pops right out to high stack Sid, but Scala rolls through, crawls out from under, and Ono is annoyed again at the fact that he is reversing all of his movesets. They go at it again with a knuckle lock. Ono uh, uses his foot to bring Sid's Sid down, stands on one hand while torturing the other, and they've already reached the last minute of the round they started as he puts on the standing surfboard. Sid finally gets his weight up, but Ono uses his weight to bring, bring Sid back down. He puts a, fl- a foot on Sid's back, and Sid endures the pain. Sid, working against the hole, turns it around. Ono whips Sid to a corner. Sid goes up and under, bids Ono to roll him up, goes for the count, goes for the cover, gets a two count with 15 seconds left. 
Ono goes for the Irish Whip, Sid, but Sid reverses. Ono goes up. Can't get under. Goes for the cover again. It's two count out of that, and time's up on the second round. We're still tied at zero. Zero. Both men getting their 30-second break in the corner. Third round begins. Ono and Sid approach again. Tie up. Ono goes to the headlock. Starts throwing punches while he had Sid's head wrapped in the headlock. Enduring the grind is Sid, but Ono keeps hold of him with a one-handed chin bar. Ono hits a couple throw punches, but the referee, because the referee couldn't see it, Sid sputtering, scrambling to the ropes, knows he's in a bit of trouble, and he comes back with body shots and forearms, back elbows. He even uses a European uppercut, hits a big knee. Sid wrenches Ono's arm, but Ono chops Sid off of his feet. He's sputtering, gets backed up. Ono has the headlock. Sid breaks free to drop kick over and over. Sid runs at him, but hits him, runs into a rolling elbow. One, two, three. Ono ends the round up. One, nil. And Scala is now in some trouble. I think that round was about a little bit about, um, about a minute and a half, close to two minutes of that round. So Ono up one zip advantage Ono in this point. Ono smiling as now he's on the board now. Now, of course, immediately, 30-second break. It's on to try to get even with him, but Sid's in a daze. Ono going to his corner, feeling like a straight champion, putting it, now putting his hair back into a little bit of a man blend, um, while Sid manages, manages somehow to get up, have a sip of water. But the, immediately, the break is over, and Ono goes right at him for round four. Has Sid with another chop. Sid sputtering again, stalking Sid. Sid slowly standing up, but just clubs him back down. Sid gets to the ropes. Ono's on him with another smothering face lock. Fans start to rally behind Sid, but Ono scoops and slams him hard. Starting to taunt Sid now, seeing what he has left in the tank. Sid gets up, but Ono's on him with a cravat hold. He starts taunting the fans. How is Sid going to kill me with a broken body? Pretty much they were chanting, Scala's going to kill you. At this point, Ono goes with a snapmare, drops a knee on Sid. Fans start singing for Sid as Sid gets up for the 10 count. Ono's on Sid with another face lock to crank the neck. Sid fights him off with body shots and he gets free, starts throwing shots, even a headbutt, but Ono decks him with a right hand. Wow, and starts watching Sid as he drags himself up with 45 seconds left in the round. He starts wrenching Sid with a modified cravat. Sid enduring the pain as a second stick it away. Sid fights his way up, but Ono cranks hard under his inverted neck wrench. Sid finally breaks the hold as Ono headbutts him down. As the last Sid, uh, seconds drain away, Sid gets a chop. Sid survives the round, but Ono is still up. One nil. Another 30-second break as we get in before we get into round five. Sid's just having a time. Trying to get back to his corner of halfway already through the break. Sid tries to get a sip of water as fast as he can in the last 15 seconds. Ono's just taking it easy. Ono is simply chilling. Oh, he chilling. Knowing that he's up. One nil going into round five. Ono starting to Starts mocking Sid's fighting spirit. Fans still rallying behind the Sid. Sid starts throwing hands, but Ono just grabs his head with one arm. Steps through, clubs away on Sid's ribs. Steps in, gets the abdominal stretch, and starts clubbing at his ribs even more. Daring Sid to kill it. He's basically telling him, kill me now, Sid. Kill me now. Sid starting to work against the hold, only for Ono to make it part straight jacket. He then spins Sid around, gets the Cobra Clutch. Then real Sid out, rams his shoulder. Sid stays up, though. Ono spins him back around, back into the Cobra Clutch. Sid trying to work against the hold. Ono reels him out again. Sid, though, hits a headbutt. Hits big knees on Ono, clubbing Ono. Ono just hits a headbutt back on him, throwing Sid out of the ring. But Sid stays on the apron, getting up. 
with a minute left in the round. Ono going to the other side. Dragon sits to the ropes. The referee has to reprimand Ono. Ono listening to him. Sid goes, climbs up. Leaves over. Hits a crossbody. Goes for it. Goes for the cover. One. Two. Ono, though, kicks out at two. Sid almost tied it up. Ono immediately going for the snapmare. Drops a knee again. Misses, though. Sid dodges out of the way. Ono then tries an elbow. Sid dodges it again. Snapmares. Tries a senton. Sid gets his knees up. Set 15 seconds left in the round. Sid starts firing up shots. Runs clothesline after clothesline. But unfortunately, time runs out in the round. As we head into the sixth and final round, Sid was just that close. One last chance for Sid to keep in the fight. Still once at Ono. Ono taking it easy in his corner, knowing he's still up 1-0. Sid trying to recharge as much as he can, gets another drink of water, pacing around like a caged animal. The crowd behind Sid Scala. Sixth and final round. Sid immediately goes right on Ono. Sid not letting up on Ono, knowing he only has three minutes left to fight. Fans are firing up. Ono just tries to get away, trying to maintain his lead. Sid not letting up, so the referee has to immediately pull him off. Ono scoops Sid up. Rolling Senton goes to the cover. One, two. Sid kicks out. Sid willing himself up. Ono gets up first, though. Stalking Sid to the ropes. Referee keeping him both back. Referee keeping him back, though. Ono still cleds Sid down to the mat. He drags himself up again. Ono's on him with a rear chin lock. Sid, knowing knowing that it, he, has, he must be urgent at this point. Prying at the hole. Powering up. Fans are cheering. Ono grinds his chin in. Clobbers Sid from behind. Sid's down. Referee keeps Ono off of them. Checking on Sid. Excuse me. Making sure he's okay to continue. Sid slowly getting up, but we, we only have a minute left. Sid is up for the 10 count, but owner has him on his shoulders in an electric chair hold. Sid pops around, goes for the victory roll. One, two. Ono kicks out at two. Sid spins around, tries to go for the cruiser Rudix. Somehow gets Ono down, goes for it again. One, two. Ono kicks out again, and comes the discus boot. Only 20 seconds left. Ono not even trying to do anything. Sid trying to do everything he can. Going for pin after pin. Finally, it's a backslide with four seconds left. Referee finally goes through the pin. One, two. But the bell rings and there's no time left. Cassius Ono barely defeats Sid Scala with a final score of one to zero. If only he had two more seconds. And trust me, it literally went down to the last possible second. Sid Scala would have tied the match up. This was actually a really cool matchup. That was a really cool matchup. It was really cool to see British rounds in its essence. It was really, really cool to see. And it's kind of funny that an American beat a British guy in... Um, a British rounds match, but it's really, it, it's really, it was really interesting to see um, that kind of style of matchup. Really, really cool. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, it was really nice. It was really nice to see that happen. Um, this was just a nice little building episode of NXT. Nothing really. Uh, besides, there were a bit of noteworthy pieces, of course. Um, the main focus is of main takeaways from the show. British rounds is awesome, and I need to see more British rounds matches because I love that. That's pretty fucking cool. It's very innovative, very interesting, very strategic if you think about it. And the way they booked it, fucking awesome. They booked it fantastically. Uh, Rhea 
working double duty on UK and US NXT brands, um, definitely they are high on Rhea Ripley right now, especially if she, she's doing double duty for both brands. Looking, to, um, she's a very aggressive. There uh, now on the chair shots um, thoughts of the episode. They're looking at her to be a tweener or an aggressive face on both brands now. Now she's going against Jazzy Gabbard and Ginny on the UK version and on NXT USA. They have going at Shayna Baszler. It's going to be interesting how this works going forward. Um, the women's division is now in a little bit of a... I wouldn't say limbo, but you got to think though. Tegan Knox versus Kaylee Ray, going to be fire. Tony Storm still looming on the outside. We don't know when she's actually going to return. She could return during the Tegan Knox Kaylee Ray match. Screw Kaylee Ray over, allowing Knox to get the victory. That could be happening. Rhea's story with Jazzy might be interesting um, going forward uh, with Rhea Ripley. Um, really cool to see Cesaro showing love and praise for Dragunov. Um, this could be part of that, you know, this could be a longer route to Dragunov getting to the UK Championship. Um, we'll definitely see how that works for sure. Um, it'll be very interesting to see going forward. Gallus going after Andrews and Webster. That's going to be interesting. Dar versus Seven. We know that's going to happen. But the British rounds match was the, was, was well done. Um very well done for this now they said on the review on the thoughts um this is and i quote i said before that jack gallagher was probably meant for this but sid scala did great substituting in fans were so strongly behind sid in this and as far as keeping heel heel on ono it was great for him to win by by time running out he can brag about this for weeks now until johnny saint decides perhaps the originally planned match with gallagher maybe even in british round style and also, there are very few behemoths in NXT UK, certainly face monsters. Massive still has a lot to do with Gallus and Joe Coffey, so I'm not sure where Ono could be put against that he feel he be, he feel worried about. But maybe that works for story, where it's always an underdog that beats him to the shock of Ono, most of all, end quote. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is your NXT UK review. Very solid episode, very good building episode of NXT, especially now that we've got Kaylee Ray versus Tina Knox in two weeks, and Trent Seven versus Noam Dar next week. The return of Oliver Carter, all and all this stuff going forward. So we're gonna take a short break and then get you. We're gonna do, of course, the closing segment in the most proper fashion that we can. Get you prepared for this for the next week of episodes on the Young Lions perspective. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. guys that's gonna be it for episode 111 of the young lines perspective as always i want to thank you guys so much for taking time out of your day your night your afternoon and your evening wherever you may be wherever you are in the world thank you guys so much for taking out this episode of the podcast and as always i appreciate it if you had any opinions on this episode of nxt uk review any thoughts you may have had on the British rounds match? Um, what you may think is going to happen going forward in terms of, you know, Kaylee Ray, Tegan Knox, Tony Storm, anything in terms of NXT UK, man. Do not hesitate to hit me up with a voice message on my page, acre.fm slash Young Lions Perspective. Hit me up with a voice message, y'all. Let me know what you think about the show, what you think about NXT UK is going to go going forward. Anything in particular with the show in and of itself, voice message me. 
anchor.fm slash young lions perspective and if i like the voice message enough i may just feature it on a future episode of the young lions perspective if you did enjoy this episode do not hesitate to tell a friend to tell a friend about the young lions perspective share this episode across all your social media the instagrams the facebooks the twitters let the people know especially now that we're on the road to nxt takeover war games hell in a cell all that good shit that the young lions perspective is your alternative for professional wrestling podcast and that we are here to stay now if we do you do do not have the anchor app which is fine i ain't gonna be mad i promise i won't get mad at you because i appreciate every single one of y'all for checking out these episodes man i really really do and you still want to check out this this episode of the podcast including all 110 episodes of the podcast including four episodes of the secret files and I would say I'm going to go six and a half. Actually, no, five, six, six episodes of Outside the Ropes. Um, and I just did my most recent one on the Antonio Brown situation where an unnamed woman has now uh, her text have leaked uh, to what she has deemed threatening and intimidating. And I'm doing air quotes on that text messages from one Antonio Brown. This is just the day. We are literally one day removed from him being cut from the New England Patriots. If you want to check that out, do not hesitate to check that out as well, as well as all the other episodes of the podcast. But if you don't have the Anchor app and you still want to check all these episodes out, you can find the podcast across several different platforms. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Overcast, CastBox FM, Radio Public, Stitcher Radio, and of course, that good old Spotify fam. Search for the Young Lions Perspective across all these different platforms. You should have no problem finding it whatsoever. If you want to stay up to date with everything that is YLP, including breaking news, when I'm going to do any live tweeting for anything in terms of, you know, WWE, NXT, NXT UK, EW, all that good stuff, do not hesitate to follow me across all my different platforms. I'm only on two, and that's fine, but two is more than enough for me. I am on Twitter at SwedeSenatorWY. That's S U E D E. S-E-N-A-T-O-R, capital W, capital W, capital I. I do live tweeting for SmackDown Live because, as y'all know, Raw is trash. NXT, NXT UK, if I do have the time to do so, I will be live tweeting for AEW as well as every live WWE pay-per-view. And if I have nothing else better to do at between the hours of 2 and 5 a.m., and I really don't have anything to do for the day in and of itself, I do live tweeting for... New Japan Pro Wrestling as well. If you want to follow me on my Instagram where I do all my breaking news, my one-minute thoughts on certain shows, when I'm going to be you know, going live, when anything drops and I don't feel like doing a picture of it and doing a post, follow me over there on my Instagram at young underscore lions underscore perspective. Follow me on both of those platforms to stay up to date with everything that is going on with the YLP podcast. So, What's on tap for next week? Well, I've never thought you ask. In terms of NXT, NXT UK review, that is not a problem. You will be getting those because they are true landmarks of the podcast of itself, especially in 2019. NXT review Thursday. NXT UK review Friday. Without hesitation, I am taking a four-day weekend because, well, I just felt like it, and my boss said it was cool. So I am taking a four-day weekend off. So that means Friday, without fail, you will get an NXT UK review. 
I may put something up Monday or Tuesday, depending on how I feel and if there's any news coming out over the week, remainder of the weekend. Who knows? But at least you know. This coming next Thursday and next Friday, NXT, NXT UK review. If any big news comes out, y'all know, y'all need to stay tuned to the YLP podcast for any breaking news that does come out over the weekend or over the course of the next couple of days till we get to Thursday. So, at least until Thursday, guys, enjoy the rest of your weekend. Do please be safe. If you're going to go out tonight, please be safe. Drink responsibly. Drink one for yours truly. Um, and if you need to get home and you don't need to be driving out there, for real, for real, cops be out there close to the end of the month and you know they're going to meet that quota, take an Uber, take a Lyft, thank me later. It'll save you at least $10,000. Other than that, guys, I'm done. I got nothing else to say. So until at least until Thursday, guys, for episode 112 of the Young Lions Spectre, enjoy the rest of your weekend. Please be safe. Do be responsible. Don't do anything weird. And if you do get your freak on, please do wrap it up. Until next time, guys, see you!